You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 11, Episode 34. This is Writing Excuses, humor as a subgenre. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry and we lost about three minutes of audio. I'm Howard. Brandon, Dan, and Mary will join us momentarily. We'll be talking about how to use humor as a sub-element in a different genre, which, when you get right down to brass tacks, is how most humor is delivered. For much of this episode, we'll discuss different styles or categories of humor, like situational comedy, physical comedy, and farce, with an eye to employing these stylistic delivery systems to relieve tension, define characters, and do all the other stuff that humor can be used for in an otherwise serious work. That introductory bit... Yeah, it sounded awesome when Brandon, Dan, and Mary delivered it, but that got eaten by some sort of recording error, and we didn't catch it in time to fix it as a group. We had just started diving into situational comedy when the recording started working correctly. My job here is to get the episode introduced, which I have now done. Our engineer, Alex, will seamlessly blend my audio into the existing audio, which picks up early in our discussion of situational comedy and how it's structured and why Once Upon a Time Three's Company was funny and... Um, Three's Company was funny mm-hmm. because back in the day, oh my goodness, a guy is living with two girls. How right. wacky! Well, I mean, even a lot of great classics of comedy, Trading Places, Yeah, I mean, they're very upfront in that movie with this is the premise. Comic drop on two people not used to being in each other's worlds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the humor comes from how they struggle and screw up trying to deal with that. Yeah. You know, one of, one of the great classic scenes of, of sitcom television is uh, uh, Lucille Ball on the candy conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. And that is an unfamiliar situation she doesn't know how to deal with, and it just gets worse and worse as she stacks up one bad decision after another trying to deal with this candy. Now, you can use this in your stories, even if you're not writing a sitcom. If you're writing mostly a drama there will be moments where you need release, where the audience needs release. And you can add these by saying, okay, let's put our character, our hyper-competent character in a situation that they didn't expect, where their competence is no longer in play, and they are in a reversal of of fortunes. Yeah, a quick example, just off the top of my head, and I say off the top of my head, making this up. Mm -hmm. You have your party of hyper-competent adventurers. They have murdered their way into the tavern, mm-hmm. and then the most murderous among them, uh, for whatever reason, you know, the the army is coming down the road, uh, you there, swordsman, you're now the bartender. Mm-hmm. Peel everything off, serve drinks, right. be nice. Okay? Instantly, we have a situational comedy in which the swordsman pulls the Lucille ball and right. slings beer wrong. Well, I mean, and Joss Whedon is really good at this. Uh, the Avengers has moments like this all through where, like, I'm thinking of the moment where the Hulk punches Thor, 
right? They're mm-hmm. at the end. They've been fighting the bad guys. They're victorious. And one of the good guys punches the other good guy. And it works because comic drop, but also callback because they mm-hmm. had f- been fighting earlier. And it's also physical comedy, which makes us laugh. It is three moments of comedy in two seconds. There's a fourth. Hmm. It's a release of tension. Right. That punch comes at what I believe to be the statistical average of this is where action movie fatigue is going mm-hmm. to set in, and we are releasing that with a joke. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's brilliant. Yep. Let's move on. We could talk about this one all day, but let's jump to physical comedy. Why is it funny to see someone get punched? It's a status change. Okay. I mean, that, that is a lot of physical comedy mm-hmm. comes from the, the, you know, schadenfreude. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. There is, unfortunately, we as people like watching up other people suffer to a certain degree. But this is what I was talking about in the previous mm-hmm. episode when I said that one of the differences between comedy and horror is, is tone. Mm-hmm. You can do that exact same punch and and one of the differences, I say tone, the big difference is how the person who has been punched reacts. Right, right. Um, because in in a horror film, you know, if if he punched Thor, yeah. that could kick off a massive ba- battle that winds up with bloodshed and destruction. Right. Um, but the way Thor reacts and the way everyone else reacts mm-hmm. around it, tell us gives us permission to laugh at it. Well, consider him punching Thor. We know that Thor is going to survive. Yes. If Mm -hmm. Hulk, still angry, punches and kills an innocent bystander, that's not funny. We're suddenly horrified. Yeah. Because Hulk is a monster that is rampaging in New York, and our battle scene has now become a scene where we have to rein Hulk in. Actually, I I think— You've just hit on something that I hadn't thought about, that um, that in some ways one of the differences is also that uh, the, the stakes in comedy are usually really low. Mm. You know? Um, it's like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? The if stakes in physical comedy. Physical yeah. comedy. Are really low. That's mm-hmm. Or they make, like, even the stakes in Hitchhikers, where the planet gets destroyed. Fair. Are, but it's played for laughs in the way that this was actually not a very high stake. Yeah, yeah. You're just one planet out of billions, and it's not a big deal. Oh, your planet got destroyed. Oh, well, let's go have a drink. Like, they're yeah. making the stakes intentionally lower mm-hmm. in that story. That's one of the great definitions of farce that I love mm-hmm. is that the stakes are low, but their, their pursuit of those stakes is at the highest possible extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what makes it farce. Now, I want to let's jump into farce, but first let me say one more thing about physical comedy is we're, we're focusing on the punching. Mm. And that is a a great form of physical comedy, but it doesn't have to just be punching. I, I saw a play in London called the the Thirty Nine Steps, mm. which the so joke good. of the Thirty Nine Steps is there are very few cast members playing a lot of parts, and as the play progresses, they play more and more parts to the point that one starts playing a window and one starts playing a chair and one's playing two characters in the same scene where they're wearing half of a costume um, and and playing off of themselves. The joke (laughs) escalates and it's physical comedy in that we are, they're like pretending they're a really small cast and we just have to do this so the story gets to the audience. Um, And you see these beleaguered people doing all of this and it's hilarious and it's physical comedy, but nobody's punching anybody else. It is human beings doing ridiculous things. Yeah, although still it's human beings suffering yes. to a certain oh, degree. Yes, su- yeah. the suffering is a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, 
it's worth bringing up the, the famous Mel Brooks quote. Tragedy is when I've got a hangnail. Comedy is when you, you fall, fall into an open manhole and die. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and it is, uh, I, we've mentioned the humor code before, mm-hmm. the benign space and yeah. the violation space. Uh, if I if I've got a hangnail, I'm in actual pain. Mm-hmm. That's violation space. If I'm watching somebody fall into an open manhole and die because they were texting while they were walking and they weren't mm-hmm. paying attention, well, I'm not hurting, so it's kind of benign. Well, there's definitely a violation because death. Mm-hmm. Um, but that fits into the comedy space, and so physical humor, uh, physical humor can have really really high stakes depending on. Our relationship to yeah, who's yeah, being Kill Bill, hurt. for instance. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Is comic horror. Yes. In yeah. a lot of ways. It is very much so. Mm-hmm. Dan, farce. What is a farce? You're farce. good at these. Well, that's what Blacker Darkness is that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, farce, like I said, is is the extreme pursuit of a ridiculous object. Mm-hmm. It is it is tragedy turned into comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what makes farce work, and we were actually talking about this last night in a totally different context. I got this word from Billy Wilder, who was an old Hollywood director. And when he did Some Like It Hot, he talked about how the key to making farce work is what he called the hammerlock, mm. which is the thing that forces the characters into this ridiculous and untenable mm. situation. Mm-hmm. Why do the characters in Some Like It Hot have to dress up as women and join an all-women band? Because if they don't, the mob will kill them. And once you have that hammerlock in place, we have to be doing this or something terrible will happen. Then just all the ridiculousness can spring out from there. By the way, the term hammerlock, it's a wrestling term. Mm. Uh, It's an arm bar in which once you have control of the person's arm, once you've got them in a hammerlock, they have to move in the direction you push them. Mm. Awesome. So you are hammerlocking your cast members. How do you do this in a story that is not primarily a comedy? How can you add an element of farce? Well, one of my favorite TV shows, uh, which is absolutely a farce, is Veep with mm-hmm. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, which is essentially a show about the vice president and her staff. And it is a farce in that, you know, the fate of the free world is at risk in every single half-hour episode. You know, some awful, horrible thing has happened and... and, and uh, you know, they're hammerlocked into this situation mm-hmm. now. And so the things that they do, it's all political machinations and backroom scheming and talking to senators and congressmen and stuff. But once you get them into that situation, you have to do this or you'll look bad on TV or we'll lose this treaty with Finland or whatever it is. Then you you can do whatever you want. Mm. Yeah, I, I was thinking um, as you were talking about um, heists, uh, because a lot mm-hmm. of times there will be a moment in a heist where in order to pull off the, the final thing, right. <clears throat> they have to go after something that is seemingly unrelated right. but ridiculous. Well, I'm also thinking in, in a lot of heists you will sometimes see the one character who just, you know, loves a certain soda, yeah. for instance. Mm-hmm. And they're pulling off this intense heist and then a hand reaches out and grabs the guard station soda mm-hmm. and takes it with them. That's ridiculous pursuit of something 
that does in context yes. is just silly. But that one character really likes that, so you laugh. Mm-hmm. You're you're well, on board. And in Guardians of the Galaxy, they mm-hmm. have kind of a mini little heist scene when they're yes. breaking out of jail. Mm-hmm. And Rocket says, "We need this and yes. this and this." And it is an extreme <laughs> pursuit. If we don't yeah. get these three things, yeah. we will not escape, and we'll be murdered by the other prisoners. And one of them at the end. It turns out he just thought it would be funny to steal a guy's artificial leg, and yes. it doesn't mean anything. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's go ahead and do our book of the week. Now, we have a very special book of the week this week. Our book of the week is my book. Yay! Yay. Uh, thank you, uh, dear listener and, and Patreon supporters, for allowing us to pitch things that... Uh, that just can't have audio books because mm-hmm. me reading you my comics just would it's still lose something I want to see so, so much I, of the just imagining not, you saying this was really funny guys he's punching him <laughs> no, and you it's gotta hilarious. look at this picture of Schlock in the last panel because I drew the eyes kind of extra Google no no we're not going to do that Force Multiplication is the latest Schlock Mercenary book in print and I want to plug it uh, not because it's one of my very favorites or because it's new but because. Uh, Sandra wrote the bonus story Mm. called Risk Assessment, and the bonus story is a great example of a story that is not inherently a comedy, but which has humor in it. Uh, Sandra sat down to write a wonderful love story about characters who have not yet graced the page, but who are important uh, in this this universe. Um, Natalie Barahona did the art and brought these people to life in a wonderful way. And then I went in and just fine-tuned little tiny bits of the dialogue here and there to add the schlock mercenary flavor of funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm really proud of the work that we did because I was able to hand it back to Sandra uh, and said, you know, is this okay? And she said, that looks just like what I wrote. What did you change? Obviously, it's okay. Mm. I got away with it. Um, Force Multiplication, uh, the bonus story is called Risk Assessment, and you can grab a copy at store.schlockmercenary.com. And I wrote the introduction. That's right. Mary wrote the introduction and said very kind things about me. Well, and I would like to put a plug in. Just We've not been able to plug Howard's books in the way that we really should. He is really good, particularly lately, at making these books feel like books 
Now, that's going to sound weird when I say it that way, but, you know, these come out as daily comics. And every time I get a Schlock Mercenary book and read the thing, I'm like, wow, he day by day managed to write something that has a full art to it. He will introduce you to the characters in the beginning of the book. If you've never seen them, it's, it's, it, you can start at any one of these books. They have a complete narrative, and they actually read, in my opinion, better as a whole book than as a daily comic. Oh, they definitely comic. read better as a yeah. whole book. Definitely read better, and I feel a little bad about that, mm. but not bad enough. Well, they still work daily. They still well, work no, daily. But it, but the, mm. I, I like people buying the product. I'm a fan of that. I'm a big fan of that. So go out and buy the product, dear listeners. Let's go ahead and talk about other types of comedy. Let's talk about linguistic comedy. So these are wordplays. Why are wordplays funny? And how can we add them to our stories? Well, there's a couple of kinds of of wordplay. There's Mm -hmm. the pun, uh, which is, you know, often called the lowest form of humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, and a pun for me works really, really well when the person telling the pun is not also the person who set it up. Mm. Because if you set up that joke and then you you tell it and then you deliver yeah. the pun, all you're saying is, look, I found a couple of words that are kind of close together and I can mm-hmm. make a joke out of them. And that's a see how clever I am. And it's not funny at all. But if we are having a natural sort of conversation and somebody slides in a pun that changes the meaning of things, it fulfills the spontaneity that we talked mm-hmm. about a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it gives us that surprise. It mm-hmm. violates some of the rules of language, which, I mean, language is sacred. Right. Uh, and so in that regard, puns are quite wonderful. There's another kind of linguistic humor, which is when you use words that describe something accurately, but mm-hmm. that do so in an unexpected way. Right. And the example we brought up last week was the spaceships hung in the sky in much the same way that bricks don't. Mm-hmm. That is linguistic humor. We are not expecting to have that sort of a description, um, but it works perfectly, um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's you know, obviously very memorable. Right, that right. Yes, yeah, like the, uh, the joke about the description of Wizard of Oz. A teenager kills an old woman and then unites a group of strangers in her quest to kill again. Mm-hmm. It's totally an accurate yeah. <laughs> depiction of the movie, but it's not really an accurate depiction yeah. at all. Kills an old woman, steals her shoes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I love these sorts of things, particularly when they can be tied to a character. Yeah. Um, my favorite kind of wordplay moments are when you've got characters who will, the way they see the world is so individual that then when they give a description of somebody, it's inherently humorous because of the words they would use that no one else would use. I've got a character named Lyft in my books who's just, she, she, she needs food for her magic to work and she is obsessed with food. So when she describes people, she will describe them like pudding or like, you know, whatever in her descriptions are inherently funny because you're like, oh, she is hungry. I can tell she's hungry. Everybody is slowly slipping into food metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. Neil Stevenson in um, uh, in the book Zodiac, mm-hmm. uh, which is set in Boston, uh, a cyclist is trying to cross the road, mm-hmm. um, and he says, you know, and the traffic light changes, and the Bostonian vehicles charge across the inter- intersection like the Chadian army. Mm. I don't even know who the Chadian army is, right. but this is a form for me of linguistic humor mm-hmm. because you are forcing me to imagine the vehicles as something other than what they are. I'm imagining a spaceship as a brick. 
Uh, right. It's that is part of what linguistic humor does. Yeah. And a lot of this is, again, getting back to that idea of context and it's it's causing your brain to draw unexpected connections. Mm-hmm. And and that that is, I think, the the sparking moment of excitement in your brain. Those those unexpected connections. Where right. It's like, mm-hmm. ah, I didn't see that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, there's they again do this in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's wordplay ish. It's also character, which I want to transition to. There's the one character who doesn't get figurative language everything must be literal right yeah. and so you know one, the, the one character one says in the movie. Yes. that it went over your head over my head and he's like it can't go over my head i would catch it um so i i love types of humor like this because you know you can if you just drop in a pun now and then yes it's funny but that's what you do in a book that is intended to be primarily a comedy and a book that is not primarily a comedy a story it's not primarily a comedy you want the character to drive it so when they make a joke or when you make a joke through them, the reader attaches something to that character and says, ah, I am more fond of this character and who they are because of the way they see the world, and it is funny. Yeah, And mm-hmm. this gets into a reason to, to use humor. Mm-hmm. One of the things we talked about in the previous season was the, uh, the character sliders and how yes. to mm-hmm. make a character more likable and sympathetic. Yes. And, and, and one of the... The components is yes. making them funny. Yep. And so intentionally or unintentionally. Yes. Drax mm-hmm. is unintentional humor. Right. Uh, unintentionally funny. The, one of my favorite examples of, of character humor as character building uh, from uh, Consider Flavus by Ian Banks, um, a character we've seen her earlier and mm-hmm. is thrown into a cell, uh, and then she shows up later in the book, and the main character says, "What? how did you get here? She says, I... I, you know, got out. You were locked in a cell with a, you know, class three Idrian guard in full armor. Well, I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> um, and it's, it's funny, and she never gives us the explanation. Later in the story, she is in a real hard way and is completely unarmed, and she begins prying out her teeth mm. and taking her putty teeth and turning them into the weapon that has been hidden in right. your mouth in her mouth and you realize oh ow it wow it really wasn't easy i was not expecting that and so in that regard you give us a moment in which we laugh mm-hmm. we didn't get to see what she did but it's character humor and then later you put paid on us put paid on it by showing us what she did showing us what she needs to do yeah. Yeah. This uh, this is going to transition very well into next month's topic, which is relationship stories, um, because I think some of the best character humor is where you have two people where you establish they are quirky and interesting, as all people are, and then you put two together that rub each other in exactly the wrong ways, and it creates immediate friction and humor because of that. Even in a story that wouldn't necessarily be primarily a comedy, you can say, oh. We put them together. It's funny. There's this whole website that is They Fight Crime, where it (laughs) picks two random things, (laughs) and it's the They Fight Crime. It's the us imagining that, you know, a a sentient washing machine and, you know, a gunslinger from the 20s have to fight crime together. (laughs) They Fight Crime makes it funny because we are immediately imagining them in all these situations together where they have to be together, where they're hammerlocked together. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can use it that way, but the two characters are forced to solve a problem and they have very different methods of doing this. Yeah. The word Context. for that is actually a crucible. Oh, yes. That you put mm-hmm. two characters in a situation and turn up the heat and see how they react to each other. We are completely out of time. Um, we need to move on. I'm going to give us your, our homework. 
um, which is I want you to take some of these things we've talked about, at least three of them, the types of humor, physical humor, situational character farce, whatever it is, or find your own. I certainly don't think we have covered all types of humor in this short podcast. And I want you to take a scene and try to write it with an overabundance of one of the types. And then pull it out and try to write the same scene using situational comedy. Pull it out, try to write the same scene using word plays. And see how you can do these. You're going to overload on one of these types in order to practice it and see what it does to your, to your scene. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.